Welcome to Notes from Your Acupuncturist, the podcast for anyone who's interested in acupuncture, complementary medicine, holistic health, and self-care. I'm your host, Alexa Bradley-Halsey. If you enjoy this show, you can help others discover it by leaving a rating or a review, by following or subscribing on your favorite podcast listening app, or simply by telling someone about it. And if you'd like to support this show financially, you can become a paid subscriber on Substack for just a few dollars a month. Just head over to Substack.com and search Notes from Your Acupuncturist or click the link in the show notes. Okay, on with the show. Today on the podcast, I'm joined by licensed acupuncturist Mark Ryan to discuss Hashimoto's thyroiditis, autoimmunity, and gut and microbiome health. Mark is a graduate of Cornell University, a two-time Hay House author, and a licensed acupuncturist in the state of California. He's been practicing for over 20 years, and for the last eight years, he's focused principally on working with people who suffer from the autoimmune disease Hashimoto's thyroiditis. In researching his books and in the subsequent years of working with Hashimoto's, Mark has had over 3,000 conversations with people with Hashimoto's. Mark, welcome to the podcast. Oh, great to be here. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. So you bring a unique perspective on Hashimoto's, and I know for a fact that your work has far-reaching effects because some of my patients in Nashville are familiar with your work. Wow. Yes, yes. That's amazing. I know, yeah. They've read your books, and they actually found me through our connection via Yosan University, which is where oh, we that's fantastic. attended school. I know, I know. So I feel like I've sort of been keeping up with your work, even if I haven't um, personally been in touch with you. But your your work has, has really helped a lot of people. So so thank you for the research and the educational work you're doing. It's, it's really helping a lot of people. Oh, thank you for saying so, yes. Absolutely. <clears throat> so you're the author of two books, How to Heal Hashimoto's and The Hashimoto's Healing Diet. And your um, your website, Hashimoto'sHealing.com, has a wealth of information on how to manage Hashimoto's. And if you're listening to this episode and you're not even sure what Hashimoto's is, don't worry, we will get into all of that. Yeah. But first, I'd like to hear a little bit about your story, Mark, and um, hear how you came to specialize in Hashimoto's. Yeah. Well, I was, um, you know, I've been in practice, as you said, about 20 years, and uh, I had a practice with my former partner, Alicia, in um, San Pedro, and I was just working kind of as a generalist, like some of us do, we treat a lot of different things, whatever comes into the clinic. And uh, it was a very busy clinic, and we ended up, like, ended up closing it at one point, I got pretty burned out in the process of being the manager and the practitioner and, you know, wearing all those different hats and everything. Um and my one of my partners was really the principal person involved in the marketing Mm. and so we all split up and i was looking for a new direction to go in so i started taking some marketing training and things i realized like i had to learn a little more uh in order to to do that myself and uh one of the first things i said was choose your niche because if you want to be successful Ah. you need to have a niche so i thought you know i just went through my patient files. I was thinking, what what do I see a lot of? What am I passionate about? And and thyroid issues are one of the things that came up. So I thought, okay, I'm going to just try Hashimoto's and and see, because I think this is an area that 
clearly needs mm. uh, help and attention because yeah. of, of the way it's treated in Western medicine. We can talk about that too in a little bit. Yes. Um, but uh, so I went in that direction. And then ironically, about six months later, I was diagnosed with Hashimoto's. Wow. So it became very personal. So that, that gave me like that extra edge of like, wow, I really, first of all, I need to figure out what to do for myself. Yeah. Uh, and then that whole process led me, as, as you mentioned, I talked to you know, like 3,000 people. I just like did all these free phone calls just to talk to people like, what was the experience like? What, was, what were the symptoms? What did you do about it? What's the treatment? You know, things like that so I could learn about it. And that, and that process of, of studying and learning and learning about myself was what led to the books. Wow. It, that's so interesting because I, so many of us who are in this profession enter it in some way to heal ourselves. And it's sort of worked in reverse for you. You plunged into this area of specialty and then it turned out to be just what you needed for yourself too. Right. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Let's start with a brief overview of Hashimoto's yeah. uh, for folks who don't know. What is Hashimoto's and how is it typically diagnosed? Yeah, so Hashimoto's is an autoimmune disease of the thyroid. Um, for most people, it eventually ends up in hypothyroidism, which means your thyroid is underactive. The reason for that is the, the process of your immune system attacking the thyroid uh, often eventually impacts the thyroid axis and affects the production of thyroid hormone so that you're not producing enough of it. Um, the diagnosis uh, usually is blood tests. Um, they'll do a thyroid panel. Most doctors order TSH and T4. And then some doctors will order uh, the antibodies, the TPO or, or thyroid peroxidase and TGAB or thyroglobulin antibodies. And those antibodies, if they're out of the laboratory range, that is considered positive for Hashimoto's and, and autoimmunity. Mm. Um, interestingly, though, a lot of doctors don't even bother to uh, order the antibody tests. They just, if uh, your TSH is out of range, they'll just say, oh, you know, you have Hashimoto's or they won't even care that you have Hashimoto's because for most Western doctors, the treatment is identical, whether or not it's hypothyroidism from some other cause or Hashimoto's and autoimmunity. Okay. So there, there can be many causes of hypothyroid and Hashimoto's is one cause. Exactly. Yeah. Can Hashimoto's sometimes cause hyperthyroid? It can. There can. Some people go through periods where because of the autoimmune attack, there's inflammation in the thyroid, and this can cause the production of uh, excess amounts of thyroid hormone during that inflammatory process. And that can lead to, it's usually a transient periods of hyperthyroidism that eventually becomes hypo. But okay. yeah, that, can, that sometimes does happen. Okay. And sometimes, you know, there's, there's another autoimmune disease of the thyroid, which is Graves' disease, and some people actually have both. Oh, wow. But that's also possible. I've seen that. Mm -hmm. Is Graves' disease also an, audio, an autoimmune condition? It is, yes. And for, for listeners out there who are unfamiliar with the term autoimmune, that really just means that the body's immune system is working a little too well and attacking itself? Exactly, yeah. The, the, the immune system is a little overzealous. I mean, part of the role of the immune system is to get rid of dead and dying cells. That's, that's a natural part of what the immune system does. And for whatever reason, we don't know the exact reason, but for some reason that that kind of balance is, is lost and uh, the body just begins to, to recognize its own tissue as a pathogen or something that needs to be um, you know, eradicated, gotten rid of. 
Now, is there a genetic component to Hashimoto's? There absolutely is. Yeah, we often see it um, in clusters and families. In fact, my daughter also has Hashimoto's mm. um, as well as I do. And, I, and I've seen it a number of times. Um, so there's often a genetic piece. If you are diagnosed with it, I always recommend that you have your children mm-hmm. um, tested for it and, and also look to other members in your family who may have hypothyroidism, may have not been tested, but may have it also. Yeah. And what are the typical signs and symptoms? The three most common uh, symptoms are fatigue, uh, weight gain, difficulty losing weight because it's your metabolism is often slowed by hypothyroidism, and brain fog or cognitive issues. Those are the three most common. And then there are a number of sort of ancillary other symptoms like hair loss, um, nails becoming brittle, dry skin, cold hands and feet, um, and digestive issues too, like bloating and gas. And interestingly, there's also like a, a psychological component, it seems. A lot of people I've noticed have anxiety and or anxiety and depression as part mm. of, uh, uh, you know, having Hashimoto's. I mean, those symptoms sound like symptoms that affect a lot of people. Yeah, they are. They're, they're very common. And sometimes I think people are diagnosed with other things like fibromyalgia or chronic fatigue syndrome when in fact they, they have Hashimoto's or hypothyroidism. Do you think that Hashimoto's is underdiagnosed? Um, I think there's a lot more awareness of it now, mm-hmm. uh, but I do think generally, yes, it is. And again, I think part of the problem is most Western doctors and endocrinologists don't really have much training in treating autoimmunity. So it doesn't really matter to them very much whether or not it's hypothyroidism from a different cause or thyroid hypothyroidism caused by autoimmunity because the treatment is the same. Maybe we should talk about what the treatment is. Right? Yes, yes, perfect segue. So what is the typical treatment? And the most common treatment is, is uh, synthetic T4, and which is called levothyroxine. Uh, the most popular brand is called Synthroid. And that, that is, uh, as I said, synthetic T4. And there are other treatments as well. There's a synthetic T3 called Cytomel. There's a number of, of other combinations too. There's a natural desiccated uh, thyroid hormone, which is actually a combination of T3 and T4. Um, but most Western doctors are pretty conservative. And, and the most common treatment is synthetic T4 in the form of synthroid or levothyroxine. And that's, that's the sort of thing that a patient needs to take on an ongoing basis to manage their condition, right? Correct. If, you, if your thyroid is not functioning, I mean, thyroid hormone is so important in the body that literally every organ and every major system has thyroid hormone receptors. And if your body's not producing enough thyroid hormone, it can have really uh, terrible effects on your ability to function. Yeah. You say on, on your website, you say that Hashimoto's is way more than just a thyroid problem. And that understanding this is really the key to managing it and getting it into remission. Right. I think it's very, very important. And a lot of people often who, who hear me as a guest or, or who read my content or read my books or whatever are, are surprised to learn how extensive the influence of thyroid hormone is. But it's very, very important, I think. Is there any area of the body that it doesn't affect? Not really. Okay. <laughs> the thyroid hormone receptor. Because it's, you know, thyroid hormone is like the principal influencer of our metabolism. Like it's really responsible for metabolic activity. So everything in your body is influenced by that. Right. I feel like I treat a lot of patients in my practice who have thyroid issues. A lot are hypothyroid. 
Do you have any theories as to why so many people have thyroid issues? That's a great question. Um, well, I think, you know, Hashimoto's in general, if you look at, you talk about genetic component, I think it's like a perfect storm of things. So the, there is the genetic piece. I think um, other factors are uh, pathogens, like people who have earlier encountered, they've gotten Epstein-Barr virus or Arsenia or some other pathogen that they've experienced, a herpes virus, those can all lead to Hashimoto's. There's uh, the digestive component, like people's guts get broken down with leaky gut or intestinal permeability, things like that. That's another factor I think that's important. I think our diet, uh, generally the American diet is is not really supportive to good thyroid and digestive health. And I, I think environmental toxins are something that's, you know, are increasingly more prevalent in our world and are also a factor. So I think it's like this perfect storm of things. And, and regardless of whether or not it is autoimmune or not, a lot of those factors are involved in both cases. I want to get into some practical advice because you really share a lot um, online on your website and in your books. But before we get into that, I'd really like to talk about the traditional Chinese medicine perspective on Hashimoto's because you, you're an acupuncturist and you bring an acupuncturist's worldview and an acupuncturist set of tools to addressing this disease. Yeah. So what are the typical traditional Chinese medicine patterns you see with Hashimoto's? Yeah, very much so. It's a great question. Um, well, one of the things I did in my first book, the, the How to Heal Hashimoto's, is I, I really was looking for a way to organize like how uh, thyroid hormone impacts all these systems of the body. And with Chinese medicine, we have these great um, theoretical uh, constructs that we use to look at the body and the connections within the body. That's one of the beauties of Chinese medicine, I think, is how we have this sort of unique understanding of how everything is connected. And so one of those things is the five elements. And the five elements are a way of looking at all the major systems of the body and how they interact and influence one another. And so in my book, that's one thing I looked at is, okay, how, what, you know, given the fact that thyroid hormone does have this huge impact everywhere, what is it, how, how is it impacting the five elements? Mm. And so if we, we go, let's go through each one of them. The, uh, firstly, we look at uh, the earth element. The earth element is considered the spleen and stomach in Chinese medicine. In Western, if you look at the Western corollary to that, I think it's, uh, it's kind of a hybrid of the spleen and the pancreas. Mm -hmm. um, so both of those things are present there. The pancreas obviously is an endocrine gland, just like the thyroid. So they have an important connection. And uh, the things we see there, that's also really kind of in charge of, of blood sugar metabolism, of uh, digestion and things like that. So those are things that we look at uh, in terms of the influence there. So people who are, uh, have hypoglycemia or people have insulin resistance mm -hmm. um, or some combination thereof, that's an important pattern, I think, that can really be impacted by hypothyroidism and Hashimoto's. So that's the earth element. Next is the, the metal element, which is the lung and large intestine. And, and one of the things I look for, too, uh, that I'm fascinated by is, well, how can we, you know, one of the criticisms of Chinese medicine sometimes is, it's, oh, it's, it's folk medicine. It's not really real in terms of physiology and stuff. But uh, I, I don't think that's true. I think there are incredible insights into physiology. And I think the metal element is one of them. The, what unites the lung and the large intestine is the lymphatic system, mm -hmm. which is the immune system, essentially. And interestingly, the endocrine gland of the immune system is the thyroid, mm -hmm. the metal element. So that, that to me, that was a fascinating realization. 
to see that there. And so there, what we're looking for is patterns of dysfunction in immune function. Yes. And, and um, you know, when you're hypothyroid, you can be more susceptible to getting sick. You can have, uh, you know, less defenses. Um, and again, one of the things that we found that leads to, to Hashimoto's is exposure to things like Epstein-Barr or, or some other pathogen. Yeah, you know, I would not have made that connection between the lungs and Hashimoto's, but the lungs are really our first line of defense. And Absolutely. They right. circulate the way chi, which is our defensive chi on the exterior right. of the body. So, yeah, of course, there's... And, and where's there. the thyroid? The thyroid is located up in the throat, like right up where the respiratory system, yes. uh, you know, interacts with it. So it's, it's very much um, attached to that. You know, and, and yeah, Absolutely. So that's the metal element. Next is the water element. That's the kidneys and, and urinary bladder. Um, of course, the endocrine gland there is the adrenals. So that's an important area of influence and, and um, I think, dysfunction that we see with thyroid problems because the thyroid is so, um, I think it's just, just this real connection between the entire endocrine system. The endocrine system is not like an isolated thing. Your thyroid doesn't exist in a vacuum. It, it's part of an endocrine system, which includes the pancreas, includes the adrenals, includes the pituitary, includes the reproductive organs. All of that is part of a system. So when you have dysfunction in one area, like the thyroid, you can have dysfunction in any of those other areas. And vice versa is also true. If you have adrenal problems, adrenal fatigue or adrenal exhaustion, that's going to also impact your thyroid and impact the way you feel. So that's an important uh, area of connection, too, I think. Next is the wood element. The wood element is the liver and gallbladder. Um, the liver is profoundly impacted by thyroid hormone. Mm -hmm. It's uh, one of the things you see all the time with people who have hypothyroidism is elevated cholesterol. And the oh. reason is because the, when you're hypothyroid, it slows cholesterol metabolism and it affects your body's ability to uh, handle fats and cholesterol. So that is another area that's really obvious connection that sometimes people don't put those things together. You know, a lot of times people will come who are hypothyroid and they're like, my diet is great. I eat perfectly. I don't eat any fat. I don't, I don't understand. I don't cholesterol is well, high because of hypothyroidism. That makes sense when you think about the genetic component too, mm -hmm. because right. there's, there's a genetic component with high cholesterol. I also work with patients who say the same thing. My gen, my diet is great. Um, you know, I, everything, every other marker of health is perfect, but I have high cholesterol and cannot get it down. Yeah. So, so that's the, the wood element. The last one is the fire uh, element. That's, that's the uh, heart and, and small intestine. Um, and also uh, the pericardium and uh, sanjiao, which is something we sort of unique to Chinese medicine. And, you know, what unites those is really, it's, it's the circulatory system. It's, it's the bloodstream and everything else. And, and, uh, hypothyroidism has a big impact on circulation. And, you know, one of the reasons most people who are hypothyroid have the symptom of cold hands and feet is because mm. hypothyroidism causes blood to pool in your torso and it makes it more difficult to get blood to your extremities. So that includes your hands and feet and your brain. Aha. Uh -huh. Your head. And, and, and though it's not part of the five elements, the brain is another area that's really profoundly impacted by Hashimoto's and, and thyroid and, uh, um, hypothyroidism. And, and in fact, when you have problems there, that can really lead to uh, things like Alzheimer's and, and mm -hmm. neurodegeneration. So it's really, really important to take that seriously too. Hashimoto's affects, or it, um, it involves all of the five elements. Mm -hmm. And so when you're working with a patient, do you 
you assess to see like what is the what is the element that I need to focus on? What is the most out of balance? Like is there some, you know, one Hashimoto's patient might be fire dominant, another might be metal dominant. Is that your approach? Yeah, I mean, I still I think we use what we've learned in Chinese medicine. It doesn't really change our overall diagnostic approach and, and treatment approach. So yes, mm -hmm. those things are still valid. I also, I mean, I'm just fascinated with Western physiology too. So I'm always looking mm -hmm. for, okay, if there is something in one area, so let's say it's like the liver, it's being heavily impacted. Well, what, what about that? You know, why is the wood element impacted? So in this individual. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And that gets into one of, to me, the great strengths of Chinese medicine is the the individualization of treatment and, exactly. and we don't approach to Hashimoto's patients in the same way because they're two different people with you know different backgrounds and gen different genetics and right very much so and I think that's you know that's one of the real weaknesses in western treatment it's, a, it's literally one treatment for everyone mm, it's yeah. just thyroid medication and, and there are often so many of these other issues that are going on that are just being ignored so right. it, we, I think we, we really have an opportunity as practitioners of Chinese medicine to offer a lot for people going through this because we'll look at these other areas too. Right, right. Well, and in your writing, you talk about um, with diet, there's, there's not really a one-size-fits-all approach to managing Hashimoto's with diet. There are some, it seems like there's some, some general guidelines, but, uh, you know, there's no one perfect Hashimoto's diet for everyone. Right, right? there really isn't. And, I, and I, this I learned the hard way through uh, reading a lot of people. Um, one of the things that was very popular, still very pretty popular, is the autoimmune paleo mm -hmm. diet, autoimmune paleo approach. And basically this is a, a pretty restrictive uh, uh, elimination diet where you take out a lot of foods that are inflammatory and, and potentially are, are firing up the immune system. And, and this, you know, this has been very helpful in treating people at the outset, the one thing I learned the hard way was that keeping people on this diet for a long period of time can really have adverse effects. And, and one of those are to cause a breakdown in something called oral tolerance. And oral tolerance is your body's ability to adapt to different foods. And it turns oh. out that that is really maintained by exposure. Mm. So when you eliminate that, you can some, so sometimes people who were really, super compliant and and really you know stayed on the autoimmune paleo diet for years and did really well ended up developing all these additional sensitivities and and things because of of that process so wow. that was a hard thing for me to learn because i you know i made some mistakes there and you know and yeah. myself i did made some mistakes too so that was a really important realization is that we can't stay on one thing forever we have to be able to adapt the diet and sometimes, you know, even like that, while it's helpful to eliminate foods, maybe to calm your immune system initially, it's really, really important also to maintain balance. And that's, again, another thing we know from Chinese medicine, that balance is so important. I want to get into um, some of the other practical advice that you offer. So you, you really emphasize gut health. Mm -hmm. And so let's talk about gut health and why gut health is so important for managing all really all autoimmune conditions, not just Hashimoto's. Well, again, you know, we were talking about the metal element. What's what unites the, the metal element, the lung and the large intestine? It's the lymphatic system. That's the immune system. So there's a great deal of immune activity in the digestive tract, in, in your intestines. 
So that is an opportunity for, you know, it's kind of a leverage point. It's an opportunity to do a lot to calm the immune system and, and to, to rebalance the immune system. And conversely, it can be a place where you can really cause a lot of problems mm-hmm. because you can, you know, if you're, if you're ignoring that and, and your immune system is, is already out of whack, you could be eating foods that are, are firing that uh, immune activity even further. And, and that's really problematic when you have autoimmunity. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I think the gut is a very, very important area. It's a really oppor- a good area of opportunity. Again, you know, we were just talking about oral tolerance. One of the things that's so important is diversity in your diet, especially mm-hmm. diversity of different vegetables and foods and everything. So mm-hmm. one key, I think, for people to understand is is we need diversity um, in our diet and not don't eat the same food every day. And and I imagine that that can be challenging for people when they are trying to figure out what's making me sick, what's making me healthy. And people, if you find a diet that works, you probably want to stick with it. So right, right. right. To feel sure, that, makes, that makes total sense. And again, that was my working assumption for a number right. of years. But then I realized <laughs> that, oh, there are also unintended consequences. Yeah. So part of it is we have to be adaptable. We have yeah. to be able to, um, you know, make changes when necessary. Yeah, yeah. Well, and I think about the gut too. I just think about in in Chinese medicine, the the digestive processes create what we call the post heaven essence, and so post heaven is really important in Chinese medicine because post heaven provides fuel for our day-to-day processes. It's, it's, it's what we live on. Um, so we have to, it's our energy, right? Exactly. Mm -hmm. And, and so if the, if the post heaven is insufficient, then we have to dip into our pre heaven essence, which is what we're born with. And we cannot replenish it. Post heaven essence can always be replenished, but pre heaven cannot. And so it's, um, it's, I always think of it like like a bank account. You want to keep it keep enough money in it to live day to day, and it's kind of the same with your digestion. You need to keep it healthy so that um, you don't dip into the reserves that can't be replenished. I think it's a great analogy. Yeah, yeah. exactly. It's, yeah. it's really about um, both, like like with your financials, that you have to keep earning money, and you have to save right. some money, and you have to not not. Uh, you know, tap your savings too right. much. Otherwise, there's going to be consequences. To that. That's the same basic idea. That's a great same, same with your body. Yeah. yeah. Uh, something that you write about, which I find fascinating, is that foods made from gluten and milk have a similar chemical structure to morphine. And so yeah. these foods definitely do not promote gut health, yet they are literally addictive. Those are... Uh, proteins uh in in both those foods that yeah that's why they call it comfort food yes you know because it is in a very real sense like uh gives you kind of comforting buzz you know right but yet it makes us sicker right right i think the the problem with those two foods with regard to immune function with Hashimoto's and everything is that you know the immune system reacts to those proteins and then Mm -hmm. some of those proteins because there's only a finite number of proteins in nature. Uh, you know, proteins are made of amino acid sequences, and those amino acid sequences repeat all over the place, including in the tissues of our body. So sometimes we right. can have uh, our own tissue 
be very similar in, in amino acid sequence and protein structure. And consequently, that just makes the attack worse. Right. I want to talk about lectins for a minute. Um, you say that people with autoimmune issues should ab really absolutely avoid lectins, right? I mean, yeah. I mean, I think we've got to be cautious with them for sure. Mm -hmm. So what exactly are lectins and why are they so detrimental to gut health? Yeah, lectins are, are substances that basically are protective to plants. Um, and uh, they, in that protection is makes them more difficult to digest and more uh, immune reactive. So the reason we have to be careful with them is because they can be very inflammatory and they can cause further, you know, part of the whole process here when dealing with autoimmunity is we have to balance and calm the immune system um, and, and not exacerbate it. So they're another area that can potentially cause that, as, as are nightshades is something else that can also do that. Mm -hmm. And are lectins found in, in all plant foods? I don't think they're found in all plants. I think primarily in like beans and, and uh, uh, legumes and, and things mm -hmm. of that nature. Mm -hmm. And then the nightshades are things like tomatoes, Tomatoes, peppers. eggplants, uh, peppers, and white potatoes. Yeah. No. So, um, you know, things like beans and tomatoes and peppers sound like foods that are good for you. So, right. <laughs> Which we all love, too. Like, yeah. Like Mexican I, food. Exactly. Yeah. So I can imagine that it can be really difficult for people to uh, to figure out what what is a healthy diet, what's going to and make an autoimmune condition worse when it, right. when you think you're eating something healthy, but it's actually right. Not and then this is part of the thing too that I was, you know trying to say earlier is like I was in the beginning when I was doing this, I was really very very strict and trying to get people to be mm. very very strict. And now I have more of a nuanced approach to it. Yeah, because I, because I think diversity is so important. So I think a way to think about it is not like all or nothing. It's just that some foods you can't have as often. You know. Uh. Uh -huh. Some of these foods you can have once or twice a month, maybe, and it won't be that big a deal. Yeah. And some of the foods you can have, you know, once a week, and some foods maybe you can have every day. But but there are some foods, like gluten and dairy, we want to we want to avoid entirely. But mm -hmm. the rest of them, I think, there's sort of this nuanced uh, spectrum of how often you can have them, and we want you know that's something we need to constantly sort of be testing and 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 trying. And I'm sure it's different for every individual. Right. So other than diet. Obviously, diet's really important for gut health, and gut health is important for managing autoimmune conditions. Other than diet, though, what are some keys to managing Hashimoto's and other autoimmune conditions? Yeah, something else that when we were talking about the perfect storm of things, I forgot to mention was stress. Oh, yes. Uh, Can't so, forget about stress. Yeah. <laughs> so managing stress and taking stress seriously, I think, is is a really, really important thing. Like, I think a lot of us... Uh, in, especially in our culture where it's like, you know, the type A personality and push on ahead and fight through. And, uh, you know, there's so many tropes and cliches about that. It's like we tend to not really like we know that stress like abstractly is a problem, but a lot of people just ignore really what's happening. Right. So th I think that's a really, really important area where you have to like actively. I mean, I find this myself like I have to actively plan stress relieving things you know mm -hmm. have stress relieving hobbies have stress relieving activities 
make sure that's part of my everyday, um, you know, plan for health, because that's how important stress is. I mean, it's one of the things too, I, I observed with people with, with autoimmunity just in general is that when you have autoimmunity, you have, you're under a tremendous amount of physiological stress. Like it's really stressful to have your body being attacked all the time. Right. So what people don't, I think this is maybe one of the reasons why people, so many people have anxiety on top of that, because it's like emotional stressors on top of all of that physiological stress is really, really hard to handle. And, and one of the most common complaints I have from people is like, I just get overwhelmed by it. like my, you know, my family, other people don't understand why I freak out when something happens, but I just get completely overwhelmed. Well, that's one of the reasons you get completely overwhelmed because, you know, back to sort of the financial analogy, it was like your stress credit card is maxed out. Yes, <laughs> yes, know? totally. Yes. Yeah. So I think that that's a really, really important area. Yeah. And, and also like, it's no wonder that that fatigue is one of the primary symptoms because your body is constantly under attack. Right. And... Constantly under attack and constantly revved up and right. Yeah. So yeah. The way your body is like, hey, okay. Yeah. <laughs> so managing diet, yeah, managing manage, diet, managing, managing stress. stress. Exercise, I think, is another important area. Mm -hmm. um, but this is one that I found that Again, it's kind of like we have to recalibrate our understanding of, of exercise. Like I think there's this bell curve of exercise benefit. So if you're not doing enough, you're not really getting the benefit. But really, if you're doing too much, you, there are diminishing returns. Again, where you're like, you're just kind of hurting yourself by overdoing it. So yeah. particularly when you have autoimmunity, and this is hard for people too. I have some people who are like first, you know, world-class athletes who ended up developing Hashimoto's or autoimmunity. And all of a sudden, like they have to come to the realization that they can't work out like they used to. Yeah. And, and that's a really important too. So we have to, again, you know, balance is key. We have to find an area of balance. We have to uh, moderate our, our exercise. We have to do it, but we have to make sure we're not overdoing it. That's really critical. Yeah. And I imagine that, that that can contribute to the emotional strain of something like this is just the uh, not being able to do the activities that you were once able to do. Right. It's really humbling. Yeah. Very. Yeah. So I can imagine that someone who is uh, maybe newly diagnosed with Hashimoto's or another autoimmune condition or just starting to experience some of these symptoms, like all of this might seem overwhelming. It might involve a lot of of lifestyle changes um, and it's hard to change everything in your life at once. So what do you think is is a, the best starting point for someone who's ready to address autoimmune disorders naturally, and, and, but not sure where to start? That's a great question. Yeah, uh, I think though it is really true. Like I, for myself, I had to completely like reinvent my my life. Wow! Um, wow! And but it took me two years to do that. Right. Yeah. It wasn't, it's not something that you just like, especially <laughs> because I had a big business, I had all this time invested and money invested and energy invested. And, you know, like I had to come, I came to the realization that it, it wasn't serving me any longer, but it took yeah. me two years to make that change. So, you know, I totally I agree with that. I totally identify with that feeling of, of being overwhelmed too. So I think that the first place to start is with your diet mm -hmm. and because, because diet is really foundational and, and right away, we can do something like the autoimmune paleo protocol for a short period of time, for a month to, to, to 60 days, uh, where we can calm the immune system. Like that, that's critical. So, 
I would start there. I would start really, I would take inventory of like how much stress is in your life and how much of that stress yeah. is in your job and how much of that stress is in your relationships and what have you and do something about it. Like you have to take steps towards that too. You can't ignore that. Right. So I think those are the two number one most critical things that I would do to start out. And then, you know, we want to hopefully work with someone like you or myself or, or someone else who, who has experience in this area and they can do a proper valuation and work up and evaluate what other areas your body are impacted and, and get those healing as well. Yeah. That's a great segue because I do want to bring up your website, Hashimoto'sHealing.com, and we'll put a link to that in the show notes. This this website is a great resource. There is so much information. I mean, there's information about diet. There's information about blood work and like what to look for on your blood work. There's a there's just a wealth of information there. Through your website, people can get in touch with you and find out yep. how to work with you. You work with people one-on-one -on -one and you also have group programs, right? Yeah, I do. I have, uh, I haven't really been doing the group programs that much lately because I've gone back to, like during the pandemic and stuff, I, I was doing a lot more virtual stuff. And now post-pandemic, I'm, I'm practicing again. So most of what I'm doing these days is one-on-one, -on -one, though I'm, I'm currently reevaluating. I want to do the group uh, programs again, but you know, I'm I, in lieu of that. I have uh, uh Instagram account and I have a Facebook page where there's, I post lots of information and, and I'm totally accessible. So if anyone has a question for me and they, they, you know, want to want answers, I also offer a free 30 minute uh, strategy session. Um, you know, I'm totally accessible if anyone wants to reach out and, and chat with me. That's great. And you have also published two books. So um, why don't you talk about your two books real quick? Yeah, so I have two books published by Hay House. One's called How to Heal Hashimoto's, uh, an Integrative Roadmap to Remission. That's really the one that looks into this five element idea of like how uh, the thyroid impacts all the systems of the body. And I look at both the Chinese medical physiology and Western medical physiology and where they overlap and where they're a little bit different. And it really is a wealth of information there that gives you a, a real in-depth understanding of what's going on with your body. So that, that book I highly recommend. The next book is called The Hashimoto's Healing Diet. And that book is really a, a kind of summation of a lot of stuff I learned working with people and their diet and, and how important it is to have an adaptable approach to diet. So it's really not a single diet. It's more like mm -hmm. strategies for different circumstances when they come up, how to change your diet in those different circumstances. Yeah. And I think that these would be great books for practitioners as well, yeah. practitioners who are wanting to do more of this work and yeah. um, um, and help more of these patients. So you and I are both trained in Chinese medicine, which emphasizes prevention of disease progression. So in Chinese medicine, we try to... We try to prevent a disease from progressing further, progressing deeper into the body and causing more damage. So um, what advice do you have for people who are healthy now and just want to maintain thyroid health and prevent autoimmune issues? Um, how, do, how do we keep our immune systems balanced and our thyroids healthy? Yeah, that's another great question. Um, Really, I think like behave like you already have it. Ah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. That's, that's the key to prevention. <laughs> like, don't wait. So all the things we talked about, you know, yes. really look at look at your diet. You got to make those dietary changes. In a simple sense, I would just cut out gluten and dairy because they're mm -hmm. problematic, gluten in particular. 
Um, I would take stress seriously, like as though, you know, just like we were talking about, you're already overwhelmed and, and stress is a real important factor. But it's really, it's like looking at these issues and just being proactive and like behaving like it's already there. Yeah. That, that's the key prevention, in my opinion, because otherwise we wait and, and it's like you said, you know, there's one of the, those famous expressions of Chinese medicine, like treating disease after its form is like digging a well after you become thirsty. Right? Yes. Something, something to that yes. Yeah. So exactly. it's way too late when yeah. it's already come on. But if you, you can take some of these actions in these simple ways, which will benefit you, it, it, you know, regardless. Absolutely. If, that, if that's the path you go down, you, they're still beneficial for you to, to, to take those actions now. Yeah, absolutely. Is there anything that we haven't covered? Anything else that you would like to say before we close up? I'm just saying to see too, like how uh, the Chinese medicine has grown within our, our culture and our society. And, and it's just yes. so much more accepted than it was. Yeah. And I think it's because it, it really works. Yeah, absolutely. We have covered a lot of ground today. And I, I just hope that people listening come away with the message that Hashimoto's and other autoimmune diseases are conditions that can be managed. And um, the most powerful tools for managing them are things that you can do yourself. It's like you said, managing stress. It is um, adopting a, a diet that benefits the immune system. Um, yeah, I think it's really just adopting a supportive lifestyle. Yeah, absolutely. It's it's not necessarily easy or simple or it just and it doesn't happen overnight like you said it really took you two years Um, but it is something that you can do and it's within your power so um, and and good information is key and it's really helpful to have a great guide um, someone who knows what they're talking about like mark so thank you for all this great information oh thank you my pleasure Absolutely. If you are interested in working with Mark or learning more from him, check out HashimotosHealing.com. It's a great resource center for all things Hashimoto's with lots of free resources. And it's also where you can learn more about his individual and group programs. You can also order his books at any online retailer. He's written two, How to Heal Hashimoto's and the Hashimoto's Healing Diet. You can also follow Mark on Facebook at Hashimoto's Healing and on Instagram at Hashimoto's Healer. And we will put links to everything in the show notes. Mark, I have learned so much from you just during the course of this conversation. Oh, great. Thank you. Thank you so much for joining me today. My pleasure. Thanks for having me. Thank you for listening to today's episode of Notes from Your Acupuncturist. If you liked what you heard, please follow this show, leave a rating or review, or just tell someone about it. And if you want to join the conversation, you can subscribe to Notes from Your Acupuncturist on Substack, where you can comment, ask questions, participate in discussion threads, watch videos, and read more of my reflections on acupuncture and healing. Huge thanks, as always, to our paid subscribers for helping keep this work sustainable. You, too, can become a paid subscriber for just a few dollars a month. Just head over to substack.com and search Notes from Your Acupuncturist, or click the link in the show notes. Until next time, this is Alexa Bradley-Hulsey, your acupuncturist, signing off with love and gratitude.